Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hello, everybody. Nick Bradley here. Welcome to the first interview on Scale Up Your Business for 2021. And I wanted to kick the year off with a pretty powerful one and an area that we haven't really covered a lot on, on the podcast before. So I'm delighted to have on the show today, Mr. Rowan Sheff. Now, I've only known Rowan for a few months, but you know how sometimes you meet people and you have this really amazing connection. You realize that your values, your ambition, what you're trying to create, lots of different things come together. And that's how it was with Rohan. I'll, I'll tell you the story quickly. We uh, we were supposed to do a podcast together. Uh, we had an intro sort of meeting. We ended up speaking for well and truly over an hour about buying and selling businesses and, and all that sort of stuff. And and since then, we've had constant dialogue and, and uh, talk, talking about potential collaborations this year and uh, the things that we can create together, which is fantastic. So I'm super excited to have him on the show, but it's not just because we have similar thoughts on things around business growth and scale up. It's that Rohan is an absolute expert. I would say one of the world's leading experts on how you run traffic, how you run advertising to drive your business. Now, he's been responsible for some of the biggest ad campaigns in the world, things like Facebook ads, all that sort of stuff. He's a superpower, is understanding all the various algorithms that sit underneath those platforms. And he's actually run, as I said, campaigns for some of the biggest names in the industry. Now, he's a absolute professional, so we can't talk about all the names, but as you listen to the interview today, you might get a sense of some of them. But he's worked with Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels. He's worked with Dennis Rodman, who was a famous NBA basketball player for the Chicago Bulls and the Detroit Pistons. He won a number of championships with Michael Jordan. He's also worked with Atlantic Records uh, and with Gary Vaynerchuk with a couple of his businesses, VaynerX and VaynerMedia. And as I said, that's just to name but a few. He is the founder of Direct Heroes, which is a software company, the co-founder of a business called GrowRev, which is the agency that manages a lot of these large campaigns. And he is an in-demand speaker, consultant, lifetime entrepreneur, has done some amazing things with multiple businesses. And he's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur and Fast Company, to name but a few. So I hope you get a lot out of this, this interview, this conversation. As I said, he's a good mate. And what we really want to focus on is how you can scale your business through advertising, the things that you should be considering. And as we are starting a new year, perhaps now is the time to get more intentional about how you put yourself out there, how you invest and promote your business. I can tell you just one thing. We do this all the time with the various businesses that I have. We're always testing and trialing the world of advertising. And I can tell you when we get it right and we put gasoline on the fire, it really gets things growing in a way that's just extraordinary. So listen, welcome to the show, Rohan Chef. I know you're going to get a heap out of this. Let's go. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode, a live episode of Scale Up Your Business. We haven't done one of these for a few weeks as the world goes into lockdown. Certainly the UK is, but I am absolutely delighted to welcome a very special guest onto the show today. 
someone that actually I've been talking to for a few weeks now because we've got so many different things in common, and that is Rowan Chef. Rowan, welcome to Scale Up Your Business. Nick, thanks for having me. I know we've been we connected on the basis of joining a, doing a podcast, and then it ended up completely somewhere else. But here we are, finally doing a podcast. No. But you know what? I say one of the gifts of doing this sort of stuff, right, is not only do you get to meet fun and interesting people, but you know, in in this world that we're in, there's so many different commonalities of what we're interested in, and that just makes the whole thing a lot more fun. So people don't see that often because they yeah. just see the recording and they see this conversation, but it's the stuff behind the scenes which is fun. Yeah, the, the behind the scenes stuff, I think, was just serendipity on how things ended up working out for, for us to get here. That's right. We're going to have to get into that, but I'm going to do a very quick uh, intro and then I'll kind of hand over to you um, to do a, probably a better one. Um, but we're going to talk today about how you have run, pioneered some of the, the biggest ad campaigns in the world for your clients. And I've, I haven't talked a lot about the power of advertising in the online world probably enough actually as a, as a part of scale up, but, but you've worked with some big names and some big campaigns. And I think tonight, as we go through that, it'd be great to unpack your learnings and some of the things that people listening uh, can learn from your experience. Absolutely. Looking forward to sharing whatever we can from the advertising world and it's ever changing, especially now that the elections are done, things are a lot more smoother. <laughs> now, you weren't involved in those elections, were you? In, in like, there was a business here called Cambridge Analytica. <laughs> yeah, we, def we definitely were not involved in the elections. Um, just seeing what happened a few years ago makes me not even the slightest bit interested. To, to no, play. well, listen, this is not a political show anyway, so we won't yeah. get into any of that. Um, but you're the founder of a couple of businesses, actually, um, probably a few more in the next few weeks. But yeah. uh, the founder of a business called Direct Heroes, which is a software company, we'll talk about that. You're also the co founder of GrowRev, yeah. which is a multi network agency. Um, you've worked on, on campaigns. Again, you know, some of them are huge. I mean, there's a mention of Dennis Rodman, yep. uh, Gary Vinerchuk, yep. um, you know, the ClickFunnels dynasty under Russell Brunson, those sort of guys. Um, yeah. Massive. Mass yeah, it's been, it all didn't come that, it, you know, end up just landing on my lap working with some of the brands. Um, obviously, Dennis and the Vayner and the Vayner team we worked with on the software side, which is Direct Heroes. And then GrowRev as a company, we managed the traffic for ClickFunnels, uh, Mastermind.com, which is a part of Dean Graziosi, Tony Robbins, and ClickFunnels there. And then as well as Dean Graziosi's own traffic. And then a few of the brands that are you know in the information space or in the personal development space that you would recognize today. Wow. I mean, without going into the specifics of obviously the campaigns, I mean, what just in general across something like GrowRev, what sort of ad spends are you managing in, let's say, a, a, an annual basis? Uh, this year, we're pacing to do around the $40 million mark. Um, we should close out, but depending on how people scale out December, um, obviously we can, we do a very, we're not as heavy in e-commerce as most people's like, this is their biggest run. Our biggest run is usually Q1 for most of our clients. Uh, but some of our clients usually get ready to spend December and go into January. And right now we're hit, we've already crossed 30. Um, we should hit 40 by, um, by within the next six weeks. Wow. And, and what um, trends have you seen this year? You know, year on year performance for you, but also kind of what's what's happening in this world of advertising, particularly on the on the social media platforms. Has there been massive growth? Has there been lots of change? What's Huge growth. Uh, obviously, given the pandemic and the situations that came with that, um, you know, January, February was normal as every year is, and then March happened, and you know, the world shut down, everything crazy happened. There's about two to three weeks of 
I think just pure chaotic mess, I think for any business really. Um, coming into that once people kind of figured out, okay, you know, they got just got their got used to the business of being at home, being online, the spends went berserk. Um, we had clients that were in the midst of an event campaign. We helped them transition to online and they literally just saw their results go like what is happening and they just started doubling down where they're usually usually spending somewhere between quarter million to half million dollars on an event campaign we're now spending 1.1 to 1.5 million dollars on a digital campaign wow i mean I, I i did hear of that you know in terms of you kind of get a sense of it certainly by the amount of activity that's going on yeah and then you've got a lot of people who are, who are transitioning their businesses online more you know from say let's say more um traditional business models yeah. And, and a take it, what, what's the sort of breadth of your client base then? Obviously, you've got the big names, but you must have a whole range of different clients you work with. Yeah, we've got small businesses um, that we work with and going to be working a lot more at small businesses coming up soon. Um, majority of the clients that we have worked with is someone that has an offline offer that can go online or has an online offer, an e-commerce offer that, can, that needs to be scaled. Um, that's kind of where we are at. Um, our typical clientele for the last, I'd say, three to four years has been someone in the information space, apps or software or sporting. Um, my business partner's background came from working with some of the biggest sporting organizations in the world, um, running paid traffic campaigns. Um, and, you know, and it was just perfect. It was a perfect synergy because we took that knowledge and then transitioned into events, which there are not as of the pandemic and any of our event clients that we could have saved and transitioned online. That's pretty much what we did. Wow. Let's, let's step back a, a bit just so um, everyone listening today, as I said, this is a live stream on uh, various social channels, but it will become a podcast episode as well. So it will go forever. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's get everyone to, to learn a bit more about you and, and how you got into this. So what's, what's your kind of backstory, Rowan? So my backstory is grew up in India till I was 11, family owned a very, very, very successful company there to a point where my, my dad and my uncle opened an airline. Uh, yeah, they ended up splitting their ways um, early on. And then my dad decided to move, my family, mom and dad and brother decided to move to Canada. Went from a very wealthy background to pretty much what, what you would call, you know, living in the ghetto, uh, coming to, to Vancouver. Um, saw mom go back to work at a very young age because I'd never seen her work for the first 11 to 12 years of my life, which was pretty, was very eye-opening experience for myself. Um, fortunately enough, got into high school um, and it just started to realize, it was like, this is not the lifestyle that I wanted to be. So at the age of 15, uh, I kind of started to figure out, okay, well, what do I need to do to earn my own, my own way through, through life? And that's when I kind of didn't realize that I had a gift of marketing and a gift of sales. But what ended up happening was, you take a long story short, was back then I'd ordered, I bought a pocket bike and they're like these little crotch rocket things that I'd bought off of one of the classified ads. Um, I can't remember where I found this person originally. <clears throat> <laughs> and I took it to my high school and I'm ripping around in high school and I'm getting in trouble, but I'm also getting a lot of attention. People wanted these pocket bikes. Like, where did you get them from? And I was like, um, I can get them for you. I didn't even think put two and two together. Like, what am I doing? I'm like, I get them for you. And then I realized that I had a bit of a business because the guy I was buying it off of, I was just taking it up, up charging it and selling it to them and making a cut in the middle. And then it just got to a point where I was doing so much volume that I was ordering containers of these from China. So in grade 10, I did about $150,000 in sales, um, selling these pocket bikes where I was importing them from China and then selling them inside my school. Fast so forward. this is uh, arbitrage, a pre-Amazon. Pre <laughs> this is literally pre-drop shipping, pre-Shopify, pre-Amazon days. 
Uh, I'm doing this in person. Like it was nuts because I was taking cash, holding it. My mom's holding it in her bank account. Um, and then when people came, I'd take the other half and then deliver the product. Like it was nuts. Like some of the stuff you couldn't do today. But how old are you? Uh, are you like 15, 16 here? 15. Yeah, I was in grade 10. 15, man. Yeah. Wow. Um, at that point in time, I was still working at McDonald's because I'd already started working at McDonald's. I had a bit, bit of a, um, you know, typical corporate career with them. While I was there, I was I went to school to be a commercial airline pilot. Uh, that was a lifelong goal. Dropped out about three quarters of the way through. Didn't re- like I just realized it was more of a passion, not a purpose for me to be a, to be a pilot. And then did, then I got into sales and I did door to door sales for around two years. Um, built built a pretty substantial organization there. Uh, got got poached from the door to door organization to do in home selling for a software company, which is an education tutoring software company. Helped that company grow from twenty five million in revenue to around 50 million within the two years that I was there, like built a team and sales team selling somewhere around six and a half thousand to thirteen thousand dollar packages in person in 90 minutes to families that are pissed off and they frankly don't want you to be in their house. Um, and at that point in time, I got bored and I got bored because it got the art of one to one and direct selling was just like, OK, well, I can do this. What's next? And that's when I started picking up books like uh, Dan Kennedy's books, Jay Abraham's books um, and all the early on, you know, um, the and reading direct response marketing. And that's where my career into marketing and that's what I've kind of built the businesses that I've got today around is just understanding direct sales, understanding direct response and putting them together. Okay, got it. And that's just to go back. I mean, when you said you first discovered you had a gift for marketing and sales, yeah. When when was that? I mean, because obviously, you know, was it was it must have been selling first? I imagine. Yeah, um, it was so, like think like if you think, so. The way I was selling the pocket bikes, and this is funny because at the end of the day, marketing is just getting attention. Is a base is the basis of marketing. Just if you can get enough attention on your product or your service, someone's gonna buy it from you. So what I would do is I'd take my pocket bike in the early days when I knew I was getting these containers coming through from China, was I'd take them and just rip them around on the lot, like just before the period, like the school was ending, and just create a ruckus where all the kids would want them. And then they'd come and ask me to buy them. I was borderline gonna get expelled from school. My mom got called into the office multiple times for doing this. But it was just like, I, I, didn't, I didn't know any better. All I knew was take the pocket bike there, create enough of a ruckus. The kids are going to want it. I'll deal with the principal later on. I'll make money. Like That's all I understood. I didn't understand that was marketing. I didn't understand that was sales. Reminds me of, have, have you been to Paris? No, I have not. Okay. And this is, this is not just Paris. If you go to any kind of um, city in the world that's got a, um, a, a monument or something that's famous, um, an exhibit or whatever else, they have these people out the front, usually from some African country, th- throwing things in the air, just trying to sell them. Yeah. But they're yeah. creating theater, right? They're creating yeah. theater about these these like planes that fly back to you or whatever they are, and kids go past and their parents get nagged to buy them. Yeah. Um, you were doing that again, but obviously with uh, with a little bit more authenticity because you went to the school. Yeah, went, yeah, literally. I just didn't, and then eventually just got to a point where word of mouth started picking up, where it just wasn't my school, and it was like schools in the surrounding areas, and it just it it took off. Um, and then obviously, yeah, there was some issues with that later on with the trucking and the and the shipping that went on strike, and I got. It was a long story. Wow. Okay. So you had that entrepreneurial spark, obviously, from your your folks as well. And then it's funny, I find that lots of people who are, you know, entrepreneurial, if you like, um, they have influence, even if it's not direct influence, but it's what they saw around them at a young age. You might have been too young to even notice it, maybe. But um, but it kind of inspires you. And also what you said there, you saw the transition between pretty high success to then, you know, struggle. Oh, yeah. At a young age. 
before when talking about high success, my mom somewhere has a certificate. My mom and I were on the very first Emirates when Emirates actually became the brand that it is today and their flagship airline. Um, When they first launched the 777s, we were on the very first 777 first class flight and we have a certificate of it. Like that's the kind of stuff that I grew up living in um, at the early young ages to then eventually like move to Canada and then never fly first class or business class ever again. I'm like, this is not the life I want. Well, you know, as as they say, it's the stuff that causes pain that drives you to make decisions, which is obviously, you know, the growth that you're seeing now, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, let's get let's get a little bit into um, some of the mechanics here of of uh, advertising in an online world, because, you know, I I'd love to understand your perspective around the power of spending money on ads versus content marketing using social media in the way that I do. Let's say through podcasting. I mean, can you really grow? A, a scalable business, uh, let's say in the information space, uh, the influencer space without advertising? Um, in the information space, I don't think you'll hit a wall. Um, and the reason right. being is I've seen friends, I got friends that have got pretty good, you know, social media followings on Instagram, um, specifically on YouTube. And they've got their business to around a million, million and a half just shy of two, just completely organic, no ads. And you can get to that point. But at that point in time is if if your influence isn't growing organically, you're kind of going to hit a wall in what you could sell. And now now you're you're just playing in that same bubble of selling them more things that you can just kind of, you know, that you already have your audience with. However, there's more money to be made in people that don't know who you are and kind of getting their attention to come buy your product or service, then there's people that know who you are. Now, when you talk about influencers, like if you want to go down the road of, you know, the Kardashians and stuff, it's a different, completely different context. But it's like, if you're just going down to build yourself to, let's say a really active 40 to 60,000 person Instagram following, you, you can do it. You can get to run a million, million and a half, no problem. But past that, you're not, it's very difficult to cross. And you're talking, when you say million, you're talking about the revenue your business can make from it, not the number of followers. Okay. And is there is there a critical mass? Like, you know, for example, you know, you have to get to this many followers on Instagram or this many followers on LinkedIn or, you know, this many like whatever it is across the various platforms before you start to see things compound? Um, not necessarily in the information space, because you know, the, the the cliche term of you would rather have a thousand raving fans than a million people that just kind of barely know who you are. Um, you can have a thousand people on Instagram and have every single one of them follow you. Or I'm just using Instagram as a platform because it's the simplest, yeah. most you know, easiest one to understand is you, and you can kind of get, you can see the compounded effect. Like we had a client that she was actually from the UK, funny enough. And she started working with us on the software side and kind of wanted to go down the coaching information route. And we put together a program for her where she just did like a seven day, you know, content series through her information and then back end pitched um her new coaching and information program and had never sold anything zero sales but she came from like she had a counseling background so she had a bit of an expertise prior to and i think she had about 1300 followers at this point in time just on that 1300 followers in the initial stages she did around seven and a half to eight thousand dollars in sales on the initial pitch which if you correlate that it's insane amount of revenue for 1300 followers you get you get an average of about 18 good 18 percent um open rates on your stories and posts and everything else and then you correlate to seven and a half thousand dollars and that was when she was just addicted and she just went hard at it and eventually her business now today does i think 50 dollars a month recurring uh just from the just from that small start so the compound can start there but kind of build off of that 
And what are the, I mean, this is a lot of people who who listen to scale up your business are in different stages of their growth journey. So you do get some who are, you know, early stage solopreneurs all the way through to eight, nine figure businesses, right? So it is a broad um, uh, audience in that way. But if we go a little bit deeper just on that story, um, what were the characteristics other than advertising, right? Because I understand that once you're clear on potentially your strategy and proposition, the advertising is going to ignite that. But there've yeah. got to be some foundations that, that needed to be put in place. Because let's say, for example, I turned up and my whole proposition was unclear yeah. and I just threw heaps of money at it. I mean, I imagine I might get some result, but it's not really going to work effectively. No, um, for sure. You, at the end of the day, the, big, the, the biggest thing that I see when people struggle uh, is whether they have the influence or they don't, is they don't know who they're selling or what they're selling. I think that's the biggest mistake. They're trying to sell anything and everything. And in today's day and age where you're being bombarded with 8,000 different influencers trying to promote or you know information marketers trying to promote you their next best course creation software or their next best coaching software, there's a lot of there's a lot of jargon that's out there. The simplest way that I like to look at anything is just sit back and take a look at what are you an expert in um, and that you can, you know, you would can talk about it even if you were half asleep and actually make sense of it. That is what you need to be focusing on because that is what you can actually talk to and relate to the end audience and then figuring out, look back at how did you get to the point where that was your expertise and what were the pain points that got you there? Because that is the exact same pain points that your target audience or target demographic is going through and speak to that. Because if you can speak to that, you can sell them what you currently have and that can kind of start your trajectory, whether you're a solopreneur or you're, you know, you've got some offers that are just kind of scaling. But part of the reason where people just don't, people come to me all the time, they say, you know, oh, paid ads don't work. It's like, no, paid ads do work. It's just, you, you're not talking to the right consumer. It's like, you got to be having that conversation of what's going on between their ears versus what you think they want. I got it. So, you know, so paid ads work, but you suck. And yeah. they make you unsucked. <laughs> in a nice way possible no i know i know I, I know i was i was being a little bit more direct and, and you're yeah. you're a very humble polite guy so anyway but um i mean it's an it's an interesting sort of thought because i've when i used to study strategy and worked in some of the bigger consultancy firms a long long time ago we used to always talk about the clarity of your niche the clarity of your target audience and the clarity of the offer that then solves their problem actually if you get that right yeah. not that you don't need marketing but quite frankly, you know, it's going to sell itself because it's it's a very clear message. But if that's confused, then it doesn't matter how much money you put behind it. And, and that's exactly it. It's, it's Then it just ends up being throwing spaghetti at the wall, really. Like you will have somebody that will buy it. If, like I've never seen an offer not completely convert at all. It's just they'll buy something. Maybe they'll go through it and then realize, oh, this is not exactly what I thought it was or what I wanted. And then you'll end up with the refund or chargeback or dealing with it. And that, or the, the 30 day guarantee or whatever it ends yeah. up being. And, yeah. and what about the fact, you know, you mentioned beforehand that there's been so much growth um, in terms of what you guys are doing, what you're seeing. How about some the, the amount of noise and competition that's coming into the market now? And I suppose aligned to that, uh, the sort of fakepreneur concept that seems to be coming up. So, you know, people are out there selling things where they're not experts and there's lots of people doing it. My, my Facebook feed is full of ads of people trying to sell some course. Yeah. What's your views on that dynamic at the moment? Um, my views on that dynamic is the ones that are good and the ones that know what they're talking about are going to stick it out because they'll they'll win. And the ones and I'm quite excited to see, you know, going into a recession or whatever you want to call it, going into this pandemic, it's cleaned out a lot of these fake preneurs that were out there promoting it because they can't sustain it. At the end of the day, they don't have a tangible product or a tangible service. 
Um, no matter what phase we go into, they're always going to be someone new, someone's kicking and screaming their next best thing. It's just take a look at the tenure of business that they've been in and make, make a proper judgment who you're going to learn or partner from. Like that's kind of the big thing that I, that I look at. Um, the, the, on the opposite, the flip side of that balance sheet is when they, when a lot of them are in at one time, like, you know, the era of drop shipping and everybody was promoting their next best drop shipping course, the costs of advertising do go up because people are buying in and trying to sell the next best thing. However, when they're gone, it's the time to double down for people that have stuck it out and want. Yeah. The process of attrition, as I yeah. call it, it's actually, that's actually a, um, uh, a metaphor for life, really, <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah. So let's, let's go into um, some of the campaigns. Uh, again, we don't have to go into the specific campaigns. I, I really just want to talk about the dynamics, really. Yeah. So what's, what's the biggest campaign that you've ever run? The biggest campaign that I've ever run. Um... And you don't have to say necessarily who it is, but, you know, we can talk uh, around that. <laughs> yeah. Um, recently this year, I, I'll say there's one that I ran. It was really big. Um, we spent multi seven figures in one day in one niche and bought everything up in this specific space. I can't talk about that client, but, um, it was insane. Uh, it was a test budget. It was a two and a half million dollar test budget for one day is all I'm going to say. So we just spent wow. in one day. If yeah. everyone listening can try and guess who that could be. <laughs> yeah, this is this is pre 2020 pandemic. Um, this year alone, uh, we were fortunate enough to work with the you know the, the two information or the three information gurus, in my personal opinion, Russell Brunson, Tony Robbins, and Dean Graziosi. Um, they all came out and did their own big push with Mastermind.com with the KBB offer that was out yep. earlier this year, um, and then eventually transitioning into doing a couple big challenges. Um, you know, there was one that we did. We did a challenge, but um, help manage it through my Instagram software as well. It was called a comeback challenge that Tony Robbins did. And that one was one of the coolest campaigns we ever ran because this was right in the heart of the BLM protests and everything else that was going on. Tony was started doing a, a BLM podcast at the time. And um, we had second slot to anything that Tony was ever that, that Tony was promoting because that was kind of taking you know front seat running of that um of that time of this year and the comeback challenge we did through using the director of software and some paid traffic behind what we were doing at GrowRev uh with Dean's team we ended up doing 22,000 people pushing into or 30 22,000 that were able to attend and I think 33,000 sold I believe is the final numbers that came out of it I may be off by a few don't quote me on it but it was close to that 22,000 people that attended um into his very first virtual UPW that if you're in the information space, you probably would have seen those big screens that Tony built out on both sides and him in the middle and, you know, doing Tony's things. Yeah. Uh, it all started from the comeback challenge that we ran prior to that uh, three weeks before. And the sales, the numbers were disgusting, well, to be completely honest. Well, you know, and I know a few people who, are, who have attended. I think he's done a couple of those now, yeah. the virtual screens, and, and people have said the experience is amazing. I mean, the pivot that he made from a live event with 10,000 people in a room to something which some people say is better, actually, I, you know, um, is incredible in that amount of time as well. Yeah, um, I think what he did was phenomenal. I know now Dean's using it all the time. We talked to Dean's team, you know, very, very um, closely. Um, a client that we're about to bring on board, um, the founder of It's Cosmetics. Uh, she's about to do a big launch. I can't really talk about much about that. She's going to be using that specific um, 
the studio, I guess, that Tony built. And I think it's now turning to become like the go-to studio for a lot of the guys running these big events. Um, because I, in my personal opinion, you know, it came to a point where we all had to pivot and Tony pivoted phenomenally by building that out. And, you know, kudos to him for what he did. No, he's got a track record of doing that too. Well, let's, um, without going again into the specifics of any one of those examples, I, I would like to um, just go through the mechanics for, for people. Um, you can use me if you want to, if you want to kind of reference um, that just so it becomes alive in terms of um, the way that you would approach this. But what I'm, what I'm more interested in is if I turned up to you and said, okay, you know, a few thousand people in a Facebook group, a podcast that's doing, you know, thousands of downloads every episode. Um, you know, what's what's the process? If I said, okay, we want to we want to really jump that up now. We want to kind of go out there and compete in this influencer and and make a difference world around information. Yeah. What, where do you start with that? Uh, the big thing I look at is what do you already have or what do you want to promote? Um, specifically, if we're going to talk about the information space of the current day and age, um, if you, if we were to have this conversation, let's say even. 24 months ago, I'd say, what is the highest ticket offering we can promote? And let's go there. Because I was a big fan of the high ticket. I come from that space. The uh, high ticket is defined as what? I mean, obviously, it's anything, different. Anything north of $2,500 that you have to sell over a phone is what I would consider as high ticket. Okay. Um, and that's where we were We were doing a lot of big pushes in that space. Now, coming into pandemic, coming into you know the current economic situation we sit in, um, I'm a big fan of volume and lower ticket opportunities because right now there's a lot more attention, but there's a lot people are kind of thinking of every single dollar that they're spending. So it's like if we can get there, get even the initial purchase at a lower price point, whether it's a seven dollar ebook or you know where it's a dollar challenge that we're running for a lot of people just kind of getting them into your world and into your ecosystem and building that list um that's the first thing that we aim to go after specifically right now that's why a lot of the virtual events that you're seeing the free virtual events are phenomenal there's that's a campaign that we can talk about if you want we just we did one earlier this year and the numbers were insane in australia um and um, all the challenges that are being run right now you know there you can opt in for free you go through seven ten days of continuous value and at the end of the day if you're giving that much value for free there's only fair exchange that's going to happen when you do end up giving them an offer at the end of it and saying hey come learn more whether it's a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars your conversions are going to be through the roof that's kind of the the typical model we're taking everybody through currently just to see depending on who they're um who they're offering is now there's a couple clients that we're still selling extremely high ticket for like we've got a client that only sells a ten thousand dollar offer but he is going after a very niched market in the b2b space got it because i saw um i went to a conference about a year ago um almost almost to the day by um brendan bouchard it was his influencer conference he had a great set of speakers and it was run in san diego it was a really good event actually and then he just did that same thing again you might have seen this i'm sure you might have been involved in that, but um he ran the whole thing free yeah and had a very similar lineup of speakers um but i thought that was quite interesting so that's that's exactly what you're suggesting here is give something that's so high value away for free. And then obviously he's going to have offers and things throughout the course of that um, event, really, that he can then monetize. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then especially right now, and you know, with the world going back into lockdown, I think we saw attention, like our video video campaigns on any platform, whether it's YouTube or Facebook, like the watch time on videos were insanely high because people were bored. Like there's nothing better to do. So it's like, you may as well give them free value through video content. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the day, they've got stimulus checks coming. I have a feeling, don't quote me on it. There may be another round of stimulus checks for certain countries. So like double down on those ones, because those are the ones where it's like, they're wanting to itch. They, they don't know if they're going to go back 
to their jobs. They don't, they, they're looking to learn something else, but it's like they're being, like you mentioned earlier, they're being bombarded and pitched by so many different gurus. Be the one that comes first with a lot of free value and high value up front that they never think about having to spend money with you in the future, no matter what you ask them. Yeah. Okay. So again, you're building that community, that tribe from that as well by, by offering value, um, you know, helping people without expectation to use that, that phrase. Yeah. And of course it's the, I suppose it's the, um, the universal law of reciprocity, isn't it? I mean, sure. when you give, when you give something away, there is that natural pull that happens, yeah. um, which consolidates that relationship. Yeah, and I, the, the way I like to look at it is, you know, one of my mentors that I work very, very closely with is Dr. John Martini, and he says, you know, when you give someone a ton of value up front, they're pro- literally inclined to give you something back. And majority of the time in business that give you something back is monetary, and that's where fair exchange happens. Because if you don't give them enough value and you charge a lot of money or charge them money, now you have a guilt conscious and you're trying to make up for everything. And then if you give too much value and then you and they don't pay you enough, now you got a resentment context. So it's like balance that out and you kind of find yourself in the middle. Yeah. And and one one thing that kind of occurs to me is first and foremost, I I think if you're not if you're in business and you're not understanding the concept that we're talking about here tonight then you need to listen (laughs) because, you know, the idea that you're just going to go out there and, you know, pillage away, you know, that's first and foremost, that's never really worked anyway. Secondly, when the world's turning to be more like how we're um, describing things, then actually you're just going to stand out in in a very negative way um, and not be able to compete. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Like, the the big thing is just look at what's going on around you. Look at the pain points. The biggest thing in marketing and in whether I don't care what campaign it is, whether it's information or not, is what pain point are you trying to solve? Because at the end of the day, if the pain point that you're trying to solve and you can provide value to it, you're going to get paid for it. Yeah, I love that. And, and I think what's changed, I think more than anything, is the ability to be able to increase your reach through platform social media advertising that obviously didn't hasn't hasn't existed certainly in the way that it exists now ever before, um, which is which is massive. I mean, th- those numbers, I'm still kind of a little bit shell-shocked by what you said <laughs> around the amount being spent on a test in a day yeah. uh, to buy everything. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was nuts. Um, that was- what sort of return? I mean, without, you, again, you probably can't say the detail. I, I respect that. Yeah. But, but, you know, the returns must be good because people are doubling down on this stuff. They must be getting returns that are well and truly – satisfying their profit objectives oh yeah uh the returns are like the, the reason i literally built or named the company grow rev as you guys can see behind me on the advertising side is we want to grow revenue with you because we want to grow hand in hand like that was our initial philosophy it's like if we help you grow revenue you help us grow our business kind of hand in hand um mm-hmm. and, you know there's there's a lot of campaigns that we've run in the space of share voice and it's just impression based campaigns where it's like just throw as much money see as many people can see this ad as possible don't worry about kpis and it's like that's easy to do because anybody can do that. It comes down to, you know, when you can make yourself a money printing machine and you put $1 in and get $2 out, that's when it's exciting. And then eventually taking $1 in and $3 out and kind of scaling that. Um, that's the kind of campaigns and the people that we want to kind of work with is, okay, what can we work together? It may not be 30, 60 days down the road, but maybe even like six to eight months down the road. But if you can understand what your LTV is, you know that your month, your your campaign today is going to pay you, you know, five to ten x return on investment down the road. Wow. Okay, so we've got just to kind of be clear, we've got um, you know unique proposition 
you know, and and, and potentially a, a brand behind that, be that a personal brand or whatever, clear clear niche, which I want to get into in a, in a, in a second. Mm-hmm. So that's all in place. You talked about um, some form of call to action to get people engaged. So that could be the challenges that we're seeing. It could be an event. Um, just before we go into the next stage, I'm going to go into, if I was a, let's just say I was a local business, I didn't have a personal brand, but I wanted to sell product. Would you still want to use some sort of event mechanic to create a bit of theater? Is that still, or is it just, just good enough to put an ad out there? Um, I would do some sort of an event mechanic as well. Even if you're a small business, um, what can I give you as an example that we're doing right now? Um, perfect example. Here's one. Um, so there's a, there's a YouTube series that I'm in the midst of launching come January 1st. Um, and it's all based around small business. Cause you know, we're, I'm about to acquire a small business agency. So specifically working that angle right up, right off the bat. Um, and what I'm doing out right now to give you some context is I'm going out and interviewing small businesses in Vancouver specifically that can have a been affected or had massive growth inside the, um, during this year of the pandemic. And the ones that have had, um, you know, massive revenue downturns is I just sit there live on the podcast that I'm recording, the podcast I'm recording, and we just build an entire marketing plan, let them implement it. Then we're going to go back and reshoot what they're going to, what they've done from the implementation. Um, there was a gelato company that we um, interviewed and what they did was phenomenal. Um, obviously they went from in the mid, like right our spring comes in when they're about to pick up business and summer and we're locked down. So what they, what did they decide to do? They pivoted from an event standpoint and just took what they were doing is where they were teaching people how to do gelato in their stores so teaching people how to do gelato online and transition their business and now they've created a second revenue stream by from their courses that you know whether they can do it online or offline and then eventually added on a few different things from the delivery event side of the things because at at the end of the day there's still an event happening of sales um and they just used the offline model transitioned and pivoted online and still kept their business running yeah okay that's amazing And, and i think that when you think about there's a lot behind that actually because i know with two young daughters at home not being able to go out because we're in, as I said, our second lockdown here in the UK, um, you know, doing stuff to entertain them <laughs> is, and trust me, to entertain them by making ice cream would be, uh, would be, would be, would be perfect. Fun. Yeah, particularly. But let, I just want to go a little bit deeper just on the ad model and then I want to um, go somewhere else if that's cool. Yeah, okay. So if, if you think about, okay, so we've got those dynamics in place, there's a clear brand, there's a clear problem and solution mix. What when you when you go out there and you start thinking about advertising, you start thinking about profiling the audience. Yeah. And I want to talk specifically about Facebook, if that's okay, for a second, just because yeah. I've played around with it. It seems to me that there's like an a huge amount, an overwhelming to some extent, amount of choices to profile. Like, you know, what the person reads, who they hang out with, what they had for lunch yesterday, let alone their business interests or whatever else. Where do you start with that? I mean, how do you how do you start to build that sort of let's call that that advertising avatar up? The way I look at building an ad- advertising avatar for most people is I think I said this earlier in the podcast was figure out who you're selling and what was the pain point because at the end of the day, if it's an expert expert based business, because that's kind of what majority of this podcast has been around. If it's an expert based business. Your pain point is something that you have an expertise in. Now, how did you get there? Because you already were 90% of the time you were already in your current avatar shoes. Go down, sit down on a piece of paper. What were you know the things that you enjoyed or the things you didn't enjoy? Uh, why were you in that pain? What were the drawbacks and benefits of that pain? And just literally just list it out. And that's kind of how you build up the baseline 
um, of your avatar. Then you can kind of take it one step deeper and then figure out, okay, what what books are they reading? What TV shows are they watching? What are they interested in buying? And you know, you, when it comes to avatars, you can spend an entire week building that perfect portfolio to the point where it's like you have one specific person that you're talking to. And But to start off, it's just like, don't spend a lot of time. It's just figure out what were the biggest pain points that you were going through, put that on a piece of paper and, and then target that on Facebook specifically. Because a lot of times- can, can you do that? Can, if, if, if I said there were three, three main problems um, my target audience was facing, uh, can I find that out? I mean, what? there's a level of specificity, but it's not quite that, is it? I mean, I, I agree. It's, it's not as specific as it used to be, <laughs> pre-Cambridge right. Analytica. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. when, you, when you could target anything and everything you wanted on Facebook. Um, but no, you, you can get pretty close to it. Interest-based targeting, et cetera. You can get pretty close to it. It just comes down to what the big thing is. The big simplicity of this entire information space is what are you thinking about and what are you reading? And a lot of the times it's books, authors, et cetera, that you can target and start there and then work your way more granular down. Like if I turn my lap, my laptop left, there's an entire bookshelf of like 300 books here. And it's like a lot of the times I'm running into a situation is I'm thinking about, okay, what are they reading? What are the books? Figure out who the authors are, what's the book about? And then start building the avatar based on that. Yeah. I love that because that's one of the first places you're going to go, isn't it? You're going to kind of look for recommendations, et cetera, et cetera. So it's either going to be other people who are, potentially solving a similar problem that you solve for that audience because you know that's it and particularly if they're bigger than you and or it's going to be the content that they're consuming yeah and then and or there's other influencers that are talking about something that you're already looking to sell um there's somebody that's in your space that's already done it see who's the big guy in that space and more than likely you could probably target them on facebook if they've got a big enough influence yeah got it okay so question for everyone listening a question for you rohan about with everyone listening here who are thinking about you know we're in this kind of second lockdown third lockdown whatever it ends up being um hopefully there's a vaccine on the horizon if you believe the latest you know news in the last couple of days. monday of this week yeah well the share prices went up you know some of my shares did all right so i'm quite happy about that oh that will do a really good stock market day yeah it's good isn't it so so let's have a think like you know there are as i said there are different types of business owners listening to this yeah. What's your advice to them today, you know, today and looking forward for the next three months in terms of, you know, they know that they need to probably do something to kind of get momentum back. And and I suppose this question is a little bit broader than just advertising. This is kind of, you know, jumping into your broader marketing expertise. W what are the things they should be considering or focusing on? Um Given that I kind of laughed about this earlier, but given that the elections are now done, especially if like you've got a, I'm not sure you're, the 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 geographics of you're following. Um, if you're in the United States, you know we're in this. The big spends of the elections are done. Um, so what we were competing with over the last 60 days, where CPMs were going through the roof because you know Biden and Trump are just throwing money at it. Now is is gotten a lot better. Um, you're in the you're going to enter the space right now, going into end of November into December of Q4, uh, where a lot of e-commerce brands are going to double down, triple down on their spends. However um start small is you know take, go back to the basics a lot of the times where you know we get into the world of business i think and we get so enamored by i took my business to a certain level and then now i can't sustain that level anymore it's fine it's like let's go back and start spending well if you were spending 500 a day in advertising let's start spending 50 just get back into the rhythm of things because come january of next year um 
from some insider information, I can almost guarantee that the costs in advertising are going to be phenomenally cheap. Um, and now if the ones that start now and continually stay moving forward, and if you can figure out a way to be, whether it's, you know, break even on your advertising today, come January, February of next year, when advertising gets considerably cheaper to compare to what it is in Q4 of this year, you're going to be the one that's going to win because you already built a foundation going into the Q1 of 2021. And that's what I'm telling a lot of people that are looking to restart their business right now or restart their advertising because they, you know, they kind of had a fight or flight moment um, early this year during the pandemic, cut everything. And now they're like, oh, things are not as bad as they should have been. Let me kind of take a look at what I can do is just go back to foundation, start small and scale from there. Okay, great advice. Okay, so a couple of different areas before we finish up tonight. So um, where I want to go next is a little bit about what you're doing. So, you know, your ambition with business. Yep. Um, so you've got a couple of companies. Um, you're interested, you're involved in lots of different stuff. You're a speaker. You know, you've been in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Fast Company, some of those great publications. What, what are you trying to create? For me, it's just like, in one word, if I were to put it into it, I think it's legacy is what I'm trying to create. Um, like I said, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, fortunately enough, uh, came from a place where my family built a pretty substantial legacy-based business in um, in India. And, you know, uh, sad to say doesn't exist today due to some wrong turns. And I want to take those mistakes and learn from them and build something that I can hand over that can last generations to come. And, you know, I've been fortunate at a pretty young age to build what I've built, have a personal brand that I have today and take that and expand on it. Um, and now going and learning from uh, people like yourself, Nick, and going into the acquisitions, uh, acquisition space and scaling this thing and scaling up my business as fast as I possibly can. Yeah. And, and we talked a little bit about this. Um, as I said, at the very beginning, we've had a few phone calls and connected on a few of these things. We said that. You know, the idea of a business empire, which, you know, has different definitions, but, you know, ultimately, ultimately it's having, you know, multiple businesses. It's by simple definition, it has scale. Yep. But we both connected on the idea that it's not just about the wealth you can create from that. That's a great thing because it, it leads to freedom, but it's the greater impact that you can make on the world. Yep. And I think legacy and empire, I quite like that. I haven't probably put those two words together enough. I quite like that. So, you know, I might I might have to borrow that a bit. <laughs> <laughs> You, the the it's funny because like when we first connected, I think it was about a month and a bit ago um, when we first wanted to jump on a podcast. But it's like I had this itch in the back of my head of like getting into the acquisition space, but I just didn't know how to start, where to go. I knew I was kind of working through it, and it's like just in a few phone calls, I was like, ah, I can do this pretty easily. Nick's made this pretty simple, so time to put this to use and kind of you know now use the building that legacy that I've always wanted into the empire of what is going to potentially be a pretty substantial media mogul company across the board of what i'm aiming to do in the next you know i'd say 18 to 24 months yeah no it's impressive and the other thing i'll say for for people who are watching and or listening is this guy takes action quicker than anyone can ever expect i think we'd had one call and within about an, you know an hour you were on the phone to potential acquisitions <laughs> and one of them has already been taken care of one's about to get finished up and the other one is going to launch in in january so there you go. So I like that. In fact, in fact, it's a great example, I think, of, of um, you know, someone who already has the vision, maybe doesn't know the um, the mechanics or the pathway per se, you know, but is but is dogged enough to be able to make it happen. And then as soon as a few of those things are, you know, uh, the light is shine on them, then you know you you sort of went off pretty damn quick. <laughs> so awesome, man. So I want to finish with with one last thing today, if that's okay, and. Yeah. 
And, and it's kind of, I'm just curious about it. And I think it's also going to be useful for people listening, but you mentioned um, a few different influences and one in particular you mentioned was John Martini. Yeah. And we spoke uh, again offline about him being a big influence in your life. And I, I, the question I've got for you is in, in who, who has, I mean, obviously he's one and I want to talk about that, but just your journey in terms of your growth and your mindset and the people, the mentors that have come around you like that, just some examples of the difference they've made and, 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 you know, how you've changed as a result of being in, in their, um, their company. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when it comes to mentors, it's funny. So there was a brief period of my life where I was in transition from leaving the sales company to getting into direct response marketing and building the marketing space. And I literally went back to working a job. Um, and at this point in time, I was, it was doing delivery. This is during the 2008, 2009, um, recession where it's like, no one was hiring. There's nothing that I was trying to figure out to do, but I had got this job doing delivery. And I said to myself, I'm going to be sitting in a car or in a van driving this thing eight hours, nine hours a day. I'm not listening to the radio and I'm just going to enamor myself in personal, uh, personal development. And speaking to Tony Robbins, it was literally for the first three months, I listened to every single thing Tony Robbins had out there, like every single thing from, uh, Unleash the power within to mastering influence, power of influence, to stuff, like stuff that you can't even buy today. Um, to be completely honest, you listen to all of that. Then eventually went down the route of everything that uh, Napoleon Hill has. Uh, funny enough, we're about to do the big promo for the Thinking Grow Rich movie that's coming out. So we're going to be behind that as well. So everything in the Napoleon Hill Foundation, Bob Proctor. Um, and then eventually transition into like more in the direct response space and learning from, uh, you know, the, the Halbert, the Halberts, like uh, Bond Halbert and, and his dad, and then as well as Jay Abraham, Dan Kennedy. And it just kind of transitioned from there um, into today where I'm like the guys that I enamored myself working for this company. I think I worked there for about, it was about eight or nine months and eight or nine months every single day and did not listen to the radio, did not listen to anything. It was just personal development. And today I'm working or partnering with majority of them. It's like that transition in the last 11 years has been insane. Um, and then at some point, you know, this, the secret came into play and I look at the movie, the secret I've worked with majority and or consulted with majority of the people from that movie. So it's like, it was, and that was one of the things that I put out there watching the secret was, and it's, you know, cliche or woo woo as most people would look at it is when I was watching this movie, I'm like, it'd be cool to work with these guys one day in my life. And I look back at it today and I've literally worked with the majority of the people on that, that were part of the movie, The Secret. And then Dr. John Martini was one of them that was the last piece of that entire puzzle that I wanted to work with. And it wasn't until about four years ago where it came, he came back into my life when I read the book, The Values Factor. I think he was just about to promote it in 2016, I believe. Um, and I read the book, Value, Values Factor, when he came out with it. And I was like, this guy is onto something because I'd come from the world of like Tony Robbins and all the typical gurus. But, you know, a lot of guys are promoting. And the reason why I am specifically attracted and kind of wanting to, and, and went down the world of working with John was I loved personal development and thinking positive and all that good stuff. But it's like, it's a peak mindset. And it's like, you're not going to always sit in a peak mindset. And as you've seen the last 30 days of my life, there's definitely been some, there's some, been some downfalls to say the least. <laughs> uh, like, 
how to find the balance of that. It's like, you know, when there's good, there's also bad. And when there's bad, there's also good. And that's John's entire philosophy. And then I went through the breakthrough experience. And literally, as soon as I went through the breakthrough experience, I got home and I called um, Elena, who's his daughter. And I said, I want everything John has. And I could literally turn my laptop. You'll see majority of it. I don't know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You've got a nice new camera. Yeah, it's on that camera. Never mind. I have the entire Demartini collection that I bought right off the uh, right off right after that breakthrough experience, and um, and it turned into today where you know I work one on one with John uh, a few times a year. I attend majority of his seminars whenever I can. I've been the majority of uh, the curriculum and for what he's been able to bring into my life and for the what I've been able to share for him and his entire um curriculum has been phenomenal for me from a mindset perspective but it's crazy to see where nine years ago lost confused or 11 years ago lost confused broke to today working with most of them yeah i mean that's hugely inspiring and i'll share a bit of a quick story um from my side as well um so i i remember when i first got involved in the tony robbins stuff and i've done all of his his things um as you know um i wrote down in the first upw i attended i said you know one day i want to share the stage with tony and I don't yeah. mean just running up there and getting um, worked on at one of his events. I mean, you know, absolutely up there delivering value to an audience. Yeah. So it's inspiring to sort of hear that you, you know, you had that same thought and obviously you you kind of worked on that idea and then manifested that idea. So it actually became reality, which is cool. Yeah. It's 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 one of those situations where it's like most people wouldn't believe you, but it's like just put it out there because you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> like that's no, and, that, and then I believe that. And, and again, you know, it's like anything. What do they say? Everything that we've ever achieved is first created in our minds. Right. So you know, you might as well set a big goal. There's no, there's no risk in setting a big goal. Um, and when you've set that goal, as we as we spoke about, even the buying businesses, you know, sometimes you don't know how it's going to happen, but if you put the intention out there, things um, end up showing up. Yeah. And it's, and like I just mentioned earlier, it's crazy because the very first personal development book I ever read, and I think a lot of people read is Thinking Grow Rich. By yeah. And now we're getting geared up to be behind the campaign for the Thinking Grow Rich movie that's coming out. And you guys are all going to see it. I can almost guarantee it um, that if you're even in, in this world at all, and we're going to be behind that campaign. So like sometimes it brings, you know, it makes my hair stand a little bit thinking about where it started to where it's come to today, but I'm grateful for everything that has come from this world. That's amazing. All right. So last last couple of questions. So just just to finish off um, that that fantastic story around your journey, particularly on the personal development side, are there any um, habits that you have on a daily basis that you think, you know, have been fundamental in probably two things, a keeping you on track, you know, keeping your mindset strong um, and something that, you know, you, you just would never not stop doing because it's just so powerful for you? Um, yeah, uh, my morning routine for myself is huge. Uh, so I like wake, get, get out of bed, shower, uh, kind of get ready. And the thing is I always like, you know, everybody's like dressed for success. Like the way I look at it is just be where, like with you, if you're going to work from home specifically in today's day and age, and you're not going to go to an office, is just dress the way you want it. You feel inspired. I uh, don't have to wear a suit and you know or jacket and just be sitting in front of a computer all day. It's like no, it's just dress to be inspired. But when it comes to the mindset perspective, the way the clothes you wear also makes you feel better whether you know if you if you feel inspired wearing walmart clothes and wear that if you feel inspired going to you know wear some tom ford's go buy that just dress to be inspired but the opposite side of that is there's something that i will doesn't matter if i'm at home traveling for usually when you know i'm usually on the road 
um, every single month when pandemic's not around. But it's like the one thing that I do is meditate for 15 to 20 minutes every single morning. That is something that is a non-negotiable for me. My wife knows it. Everybody knows it. And it's just I have to get it out of the way first thing in the morning because that sets the foundation for the rest of my day. Doesn't matter what comes into it. And sometimes it's guided. Sometimes it's not. And sometimes when it's not guided, it's just to clear my thoughts so that I can start my day pretty, uh, pretty strong. Uh, and then from there is pretty strong on the like I've got a pretty heavy vitamin stack. So every about 90 days, I'll go in and get my vitals looked at and kind of making sure what I'm deficient of of what I'm over I'm or I'm too high on and just keep my vitamin stack going. So immune system strong, especially right now, making yep. sure very <laughs> strong um and then from there it's just coming down and looking at okay what's my calendar what can i delegate right off right off my plate immediately because that way i want to be having the most amount of efficiency in my day probably in the first two to three hours of my day so that the rest of the day even if things kind of go sideways a little bit i feel like i've accomplished something and then that's one part of my day, the middle is just work. And then when it comes to the end of end of the day is before going to bed, I either like to read, listen, or watch something inspiring um, or motivating in that space. And major, majority of the time, it's more of an inspiration, whether it's reading a book um, or an autobiography or watching a documentary based on someone's autobiography, um, just to kind of get my, when I'm going to bed, I'm going to bed with a positive mindset, not filling it with garbage before I go to sleep. Okay, man. Well, there's so many, so many parallels. I mean, that's almost exactly what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I throw some exercise in the morning, probably first thing, but the rest of it's the same. Yeah, my, and, my exercise is usually after the end of the day because by the time I'm done, I'm like, I don't want to think about anything. I just want to go and get some energy back. So it's like five, six o'clock. I'm done. Have a bit of dinner. Go to the gym. Hour and a half back, and then and then that way it's like it's just out of my system, and now it's just family time. Now you can chill. Yeah. Man, this has been, I knew this conversation was going to be fun. Um, well, obviously from the conversations we had previously, but thank you for sharing so much of the detail, particularly around this this world of advertising. I think if anyone's listening to this, um, particularly now, and they're thinking, you know, what am I going to do next? Um, and how am I going to grow my brand? It doesn't matter if it's the influence information side we spoke about quite a lot tonight. It's it's applicable to anything. And and Rohan and, and what he's built with GrowRev is the man. So, and, you know, his team behind that. So my last question really, Rohan, is um, how can people reach you if they want to find out more about what you do? Um, the easiest way currently, I'm in a bit of a social media cleanse myself. And what I would say is just email me and I'll put my personal email out there, which is Rohan at GrowRev.com. Um, either myself or my assistant, someone will respond and book a call with you if you're interested at any in working with me or my team in any sort of capacity. So it's just Rohan at growrev.com or even just go to our website, which is growrev.com. Awesome. Well, listen, Rohan, um, thank you so much for coming on Scale Up Your Business. Uh, it's been delightful, um, as I knew it would be. So uh, I'm very grateful for having you on the show tonight. Nick, thanks for having me. Finally, uh, excited that we got this podcast out of the way. <laughs> we got distracted we got distracted with really cool stuff but i think uh, anyone listening and you know now or in the future um is going to learn a heap so that's very cool thank you awesome and there you have it another episode of scale up your business thank you very much for listening and if you haven't yet please leave a review on apple Podcasts. it really does help the show become even better and while you're there make sure you hit that subscribe button to help you on your scale up journey now, perhaps you're thinking of growing and scaling your business. Perhaps now is the time. If that's you, then please check out suyb.global. That's where we have all of our programs, including the Growth Accelerator Partnership, 
the Maximize Value Partnership, all of our services, and of course, coaching and mentoring. Once again, be grateful, be brave, have faith, and show up. Until next time.